0: Fitmind Project with your host Laura Ash
1: and me Barry Ash
0: and today we have an extra special guest for you we are speaking to Simon Harmer who is Amputees Assemble as well which is very cool considering I've got my Avengers Assemble t-shirt on as well so (laughs) So, um, Simon served as a combat medic in the British Army when he suffered a life-changing injury on the 26th of October 2009. Is that the right date? Yeah. So, whilst out on patrol, as a medic for the Coldstream Guard, an improvised explosive device, an IED they call it, was activated beneath him and resulted in damage to both his legs and his right arm. Now, Simon's endured five years of surgery, rehabilitation, and physio, which has allowed him to use his prosthetic legs, which we have just seen, and they are awesome. There's one. Q. See the leg. Excellent. I think <laughs> li-
1: later on during this um, this webinar, we need to do a competition so you can guess the price of these legs. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, now. Um, Simon now uses his story to inspire thousands and um, he has actually contributed to raising a staggering £1 million for charities. And now Simon inspires people and companies in, rea- in helping them realise what's possible given the right mindset and desire to overcome anything they want to achieve and we are absolutely honoured to have him join us this evening. Thank you so much um, for joining us. (laughs) Well, we heard you speak at uh, the TEDx events in um, Tunbridge, didn't we?
1: Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. It was my recollection of you coming on stage was obviously an amputee, but it wasn't your legs that drew me to what you was doing. It was the way you come across to the crowd and actually engrossed everyone. So your story was so inspiring. I just wondered if you could share it with our guys, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: So uh,
2: I joined the Army in 97. I had a little bit of a plan that I was going to eventually join the fire brigade as a a fireman. Um, I did my work experience with Hampshire fire brigade. So I've got this little uniform that they sent me out in. And my aim in life was to join the Army for a few years, maybe five, maybe six, and then leave and, 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 and join up. So I went in specifically as a, as a medic and that's what I wanted to do, um, I need, in my mind I needed to be sort of traded and uh, I learned to go and you know, that's what I learned to do, so I went on operational tours to Bosnia a couple of times, I went to Iraq for the invasion there, I went to the Congo, um, I was really really lucky, so I did triathlon in the summer, um, I really tried to avoid work as much as I could, so I did triathlon in the summer and in the, in the winter I did cross country skiing. So, which is uh, the biathlon, so shooting and skiing. Yeah. Um, so I was incredibly fit, um, I was enjoying myself, I was seeing the world, um, and I was having the time of my life. And so while I leave, uh, I was deployed out to Afghanistan in, in September, the 26th of September, 2009. Um, at that point, I'd only been married for, for less than three months. So I, was, I was married on the 1st of August, 2009. And initially, my job was actually to stay in Camp Bastion and uh, deploy assets onto the ground for um, for incident, you know, for, for 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 when people got hurt. So that was my job. But when I landed, my boss approached me and said um, things have changed. You're not you now needed out on the ground, and and that's where you know you're told where you're going to go, and that's what that's what happened so i deployed out to the ground initially i was with a different battle group which was the light dragoons and um, they'd been through nine sort of eight or nine months worth of of real real hard fighting mm. um the the, the platoon I was, with was supposed to be 30 blokes they were down to probably about 24 and some of those were, were battlefield replacements so the guys that they started was with some of them had been killed some of them had been been injured in the same way as I had, some of them being shot, um, so, you know, they'd been really, really damaged, um, by their, their sort of tour. So I joined them and I was with them for about three weeks and then the Scottish, the, um, the Colstrian Guards, they, 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 uh, they ripped in, which means replacement in post. Okay. And, um, we love acronyms in the British Army. So, uh, at that point, so i have been in the Army for 13 years, I really should have seen this coming, um, 13 years of good luck. And um, just bearing in mind that I'd i been about the block a bit, I'd seen stuff, I'd, I'd also done some of my training as a paramedic up in Nuneaton. In um, so, you know, I'd, I'd seen things, I'd seen trauma and stuff like that, but I I saw more trauma in 26 days than I had in my whole 13-year career. and everything wow. from gunshot wounds <clears throat> to IED blasts, both civilian and our guys so i saw it all and um you know luckily um all our guys that i treated made it made it back um i know later on in the the tour that wasn't the case five other guys um got killed where i was um but you know i was one of the lucky ones I i got home so on the actual day um the 26th of october we were going to leave our patrol base under the cover of darkness, quite early in the morning, and we were going to march or or move tactically, um, probably about I don't know five kilometres. Now, if you're going to walk, you know, five kilometres, that could probably take you I don't know half an hour, maybe forty-five minutes. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Maybe a bit longer, but it was going to take us um, several hours because everywhere we went, we had to um metal detector route for, for us to go right yeah and um so the guy uh, as a guy leading us we're all in, in a file and um it's his job to basically do something that's very very unsoldier like and he's basically looking at the ground in front of him swinging <laughs> a metal detector he's got a pistol in one hand there's somebody behind him protecting him and being his eyes and then then we follow on so that's why it would take so long I mean, and, and as you're planning a route as you go you're you know, you stop, you might have to reassess where you are um, and if we stop, we get down on one knee if we stop for more than 30 seconds you, you sit on your bum because the amount of equipment that we were carrying was ridiculous our body armour itself um, is, is incredibly heavy mm. so we're, we're carrying probably not far off our body weight in, in, um, in, in kit um, so, you know it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a big it was a big job out there so I, I got myself prepared in the nor- in the, in the morning as I normally would. woke up really really early. I prepared my scarf, which is your breakfast or whatever. Um, and I tried not to wake the other guys up that I was with. And actually, uh, later on I found out that I put my mate's boots on. So he had my boots, and, and uh, you know I, we we're both size ten. So I, I accidentally picked I I accidentally put his his boots on, and he kind of called mine because obviously he had to keep my boots because I blew his boots up. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, he, what an amazing uh, thing. Well, he, his, he, he called he my boots his lucky boots, so uh you know, I'm glad it worked for him anyway.
1: You didn't ask but, for your uh, boots say back? That say that again. You didn't ask for your boots back? Well they were in bits, unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I should've I should
2: have kept I should have kept uh, uh yeah, I should have kept his boots, but uh, uh they'd have to find them <laughs> as you'll find that in a minute. Uh so we left at about quarter to five in the morning and um everything was in a green haze because i'm wearing uh, night vision goggles there's no ambient light out there there's no street lighting it is it was pitch black so i'm moving along and i can just see this green haze in front of me and i've only traveled about 150 meters when this explosion happened underneath me and i was unconscious for probably a split second but in that mind it was in, in that sort of in that moment, it, I can remember um, it was like being in the Millennium Falcon when it goes through space, and I've got all these stars sort of rushing past me, yeah. and I can I've got these questions that have appeared in front of me like, uh, am I injured? Uh, if I am injured, you know, is anybody else injured? And and the last one is if if anybody else is injured, can I treat them. And I kind of woke up with a with a bit of a bang. There was. Um we we're in a bit of a contact and a contact is um, us exchanging fire. yeah, so we um, there was flashes of light. Um, you know, we'd probably put um, some some flares up so we could see better. So I, there were sort of flashes of light going around me so I could see my injuries completely because my pants and my trousers had been blown off. So my right leg had been blown straight off, my left leg was uh, de go from my ankle to my knee. Um, I did my arm as well,
1: so my arm has got some pretty patterns on it. Yeah, we. this is quite, this is quite cool. Oh, oh, cool! It
0: speaks. <clears throat> you need <laughs> that, that. That should be your tattoo. You need to get a face on that.
2: <laughs> I think I should just do some eyes up here. Like some eyes there. Definitely... Yeah, have conversations <laughs> with people. I also didn't I lost my light testicle, and that uh, was annoying because it. it it got a fair amount of use, and I did enjoy using it. <laughs> that's another story. Uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't actually ask if there's a line. There's no line, and I'm crossing that line. I didn't even know there was a There line. is
0: never there is a line. line. There's never a
1: line. Mm. It,
2: the, the, the line has been crossed. It's fine.
1: Um, we can stay over there. I
2: can see, all, we can see everything that's going on, and uh, I actually kind of accepted straight away what my situation was. All I cared about was whether I could have children. And, and that was my initial thought. So someone then shouted out medic, to which I replied, I am the <laughs>
3: medic.
2: <laughs> and uh, and uh, somebody else went, oh, sh- oh shit. So, um, yeah, it was, initially it was, I was quite scared. Um, I was quite, I felt quite alone because I was on my own. I felt quite angry because one of the first things I said was. And guilty instantly, because one of the first things I said was, why me? And it kind of, straight away, it meant that somebody else should have got injured and not me. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I kind of felt guilty almost straight away. Um, And then eventually someone came up to me and and, and they'd had to get the the metal detector back out again to find a route to me, because they were concerned that there was another IED in between me and them, another improvised explosive device. Uh, And then they started to treat me and actually... I was the medic on the ground, so I had to talk them through what was what what needs to be done. Where I landed, actually, three foot away from me was another improvised explosive device, which we actually didn't we didn't obviously initiate, uh, and it was quite fortunate because the second guy that came to treatment was a Royal Engineer. Now, Royal Engineers, everybody thinks that they like fixing stuff; they don't. They like blowing things up. So his rucksack was full of plastic explosive. So it would have been a diff, you know, we would have. We wouldn't have be been here today if, we, if if one of us had been in the wrong position. We just wouldn't be here today. Mm. So they actually got me onto a stretcher, and it wasn't like the normal, normal help for heroes kind of rigid stretcher that you think about. It was just it was a fabric one that could be stuffed into a, into a day sack. Yep. So they put me on that, and I'm I'm feeling a little bit sort of happier about the situation because I'm I'm moving out of where I've just been, and it, uh, it, it, it's moving in the right direction towards treatment. I'm watching the guy on the end and uh, and uh, my ba- my day was just about to get worse because he um, he dropped me. And uh, so I fell out the stretcher and they had to scoop me back up and put me back in the stretcher. Eventually, we got outside our patrol base and that's where uh, the life-saving um, treatment sort of began. Um, I was given an injection or it's not really an injection, it's a needle was put into my sternum uh, to get fluids in it's Called osteo, it's called um uh, Aust- not osteo integration. Um, it's um, it, it's in it's an in bone um injection, but it leaves the needle inside the bone. Right. So I had one in my sternum, and they started putting fluid in through my sternum, and then the, the second one uh, they actually dropped it into my arm. So, it's a it is a proper drill and they drill it into your arm. Wow. Now these are were used extensively, or they are used on children and babies because you can't always get a vein on babies. So they screw in uh, uh, a needle so they can get drugs in and fluid. Um, and that's what they did for me. They also put obviously a, a tourniquet on each in each stump as yeah. they were then. Um, and I remember that the left one, the left tourniquet being put on my left leg it was it was incredible it was it was it was uncomfortable it wasn't overly painful but i was very conscious that it was there i can i remember that that i felt that at the time uh at the same time that that was going on there was all there was already a a chinook in the air coming to pick me up well actually it wasn't coming to pick me up it was coming to pick up an afghan national soldier that had been shot well my wounds were considered worse so they diverted the helicopter to me um, now if it had been reversed and I'd been shot and the Afghan national soldier had been injured in the way I was, it would have gone to him so it wasn't based on who I was, it's based purely on need I think he's still waiting there which is a little bit awkward <laughs> no, he's not really he's there now <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, I so I remember getting put into the into the helicopter and again it's, it is dark they've got a little bit of green light in there so they can work and that's when um, they start their sort of cutting edge procedures and, and I was given plasma which is really early on in in sort of treatment um, and it's just by starting things early uh, they could they could help you out so I would have probably been given a massive dose of antibiotics um, they gave me ketamine but it didn't touch me because I could remember everything and the reason why they give you ketamine is because it helps you forget oh. but I can remember everything so clearly they didn't give me enough uh, I remember looking, looking for people I knew because all the um, all the guys out there were my colleagues, all the, the medical staff out there were people I'd worked with, and I was looking for a friendly face because I'll be honest with you, I thought I wasn't going to make it, and, uh, and I wanted to kind of like give a message back to my wife, yeah. um, you know, that things were all right, and and you know, um, you know that, that I you know that I loved her, and I wanted her to be able to. Um, eventually, kind of move on in life, if that makes sense. Mm. So, we actually landed, and I got, I've got, I was put onto an ambulance, um, and uh, and then rushed over to the the hospital. Now, the hospital at the time was in 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 Bas- in, in, in Camp Bastion, which obviously in in Helmand Province was the best hospital in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. So, for UK armed forces or in ba- any any allied armed forces, if you got there you had a 96% chance of living. Oh, wow. wow. No other hospital in the world can quote those kind of figures. Um, and that number dropped slightly because we treated everybody there. So we treated uh, locals as well, whether, you know, Afghan national soldiers, um, civilians, and also the Taliban as well. So that number dropped slightly to 94%. So if you got there, as any any patient, you had a 94% chance of living. So uh, uh, it was an incredible facility with... State of the art um, equipment there and cutting edge um, techniques, but also the best minds in the world for treating these cuts, to these types of injuries. And um, I was, I was obviously operating on straight away. I know that I was given fifty units of blood, which is twenty five litres, because wow. um, I bled out. That's a lot. Um, I was probably given half that ag- again in plasma, and probably half that again in just normal fluids, just to to, to to bolster that up a little bit. So I was I was operated on there and then, and they took off the what was sort of remaining of my left leg. They tied it up tied up my arm, and and, and basically stemmed um, the exit of blood. You know, me uh, bleeding out. Yeah. Um, and I suppose we to have to we can't really jump forward a little bit because. My wife was at home and she had to sort of pick up those pieces as well. And um, I'm very lucky that she wasn't in at the time because she was at mum and dad's house. Uh, she was a primary school teacher at the time, and so she it was half term and she'd gone to visit her parents. I'm glad that she didn't have to deal with all this on her own. She was with her mum and dad. Mm. My dad, um, he answered un- he, he answered the door because they then left my house and went to my parents' house, and. Um, he was quite a pragmatic bloke, and he just said, "You know, give it to me straight. Is he alive or dead?" Which, um, you know, well, fortunately for me, I was alive, and um, and then they obviously had to inform my mum who was at work, and, and then get everybody else involved and contact my wife and and start the process of of sort of sorting everything out. Now all this happened on the Monday. you get hit happened on the Monday. UK time it was probably about twelve o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I I was back in the UK by 11 o'clock on Tuesday, so it was really, really early. Mm. Um, I know know quite a lot of detail about what happened, so I know that the flight crew that came to pick me up, they were diverted back to the UK over Prague to pick up an aero aero, um, medical team, Um, then flew to Turkey, changed crews, flew out to Afghanistan, picked me up, flew back to Turkey, uh, and then... And then dropped me off in um, in Birmingham where I was blue lighted to the hospital there. So I know quite a lot of detail about what happened to me. Um, I was operated on Tuesday uh, at about eleven o'clock in the morning, uh, in the morning, uh, which was a long operation as I understand it. I was then operated on on the Wednesday as well, and they kept me sedated until the Friday morning. Now I do remember waking up. And I think it might have been the Thursday, and I pulled out the nasal gastric tube that was in my nose because it was irritating. Yeah. <laughs> I kept on pulling that out and the surgeons kept
3: on putting
2: it back in again. (laughs) Naughty. So that's kind of, you know, in really in brief, kind of uh, what happened in those first initial sort of
1: moments, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Can I ask you a question? When you was on the battlefield and the accident actually happened or the incident actually happened, I've had loads of injuries myself with my legs and stuff, and I remember how it felt. How was the pain for you when the explosion went off and you looked down and you knew what happened so
2: the thing about pain is you never forget it and there's one really really good reason because you never pain isn't like you can't really experience it again because otherwise women wouldn't have children more than once so it's something that's in built into human the human psyche um, and it, it, even if you've tried if you've done something and it was painful that's not going to stop you from doing it again. And it's just the way that humans work, I suppose. Mm. Um, I know it was painful, but it's not like repeating a joke because you're not going to laugh. You know, you can laugh at the same but joke more than tw- more than once, and you can laugh at something and experience that same sensation. So pain's a bit funny. It was painful. It's extremely painful, and I had to. I remember having to deal with it, and, and um, I remember having to kind of like really concentrate on that pain and almost kind of look at it face on. Yeah. and... Uh, there was not really an awful lot of room for anything else. So I was asked really dumb questions like, um, you know, what's your name? Uh, And I kind of wanted to just answer yes or no questions or um, just really questions I didn't have to think about and not annoying questions. Like, I I don't particularly like football. And and one of the questions, you know, what's your favourite football club? And I was like, I like rugby. And then the conversation goes flat. (laughs) Um, So... So it was. Oh, Don't worry.
0: <laughs> it's the it, our phone usually rings and it's usually my mother, but my mother's listening to you, so she can't possibly ring us. <laughs> so, so what happened then?
2: Um, yeah. So I remember it. I remember it vividly, but it's not something. And I know it was painful, but I
0: kind of you, you can't remember it. yeah, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Totally. And oh, sorry. Can no, you no, on? no. I know that you've, you know, you've got a fantastic sense of humour when it comes to all of this, and I do remember part of the TED talk which absolutely, really made me laugh, which it probably shouldn't, but it was when one of your superiors come to see you in hospital, and what you said to them.
2: Because I did say quite a few things. I don't know, <laughs> in fact, I, yeah, I remember it. So this guy, this poor bloke, he was a senior officer, and he, he, he's a doctor actually and he started at the top of the ward and he basically walked down uh to towards uh, to bay six which was kind of the worst ward um and um i could see it on his face he was he was kind of he he, he was at his wits he had, he had enough sort of thing he'd seen quite a lot of trauma all the way down and by the time he got to me he was done with seeing trauma and i I remember lying there, and if this is the same conversation I had, if it, the one you re- recollect. So I asked him. I said, "Sir, are you all right?" And he just looked at me and said, "Sergeant Palmer, this is the wrong paradigm. I should be asking you this question." And uh, um, and actually, I think I know the question that you're going to ask. Uh, I was lying. I started my, my rehab really early, and I'd move my arms and legs. And I'd move my um, and I'd breathe in and out, so I didn't get a lung infection and he'd obviously heard that I'd been doing my own physio in my bed space and he said, oh, are you doing your own physio now? And I said, no, sir, I'm trying to fart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, and, you know, and it kind of broke the ice for him a little bit and, and uh, uh, yeah, I think he appreciated that in a yeah. way. Was that the, the thing you recollected? Yeah, definitely. And it was the other
1: one when you, um, when you said, you when, could... when, when you said, my feet are together, sir, but does not here. Yeah.
2: Any senior officer came into the room, um, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll brace up, which is obviously your hands by your side and your heels together.
0: And I would say, yeah, my heels are together, but just not in this country. And again, I love it, honestly. You know, how does it feel to be asked and to relive, you know, the whole situation again? I mean, did you suffer any kind of, you know, PTSD, you know, the post-traumatic stress disorder through all of it?
2: You know, i don't think anybody uh, sort of escapes either if they, especially if they're on the if they if they served on the front line in either iraq or Afghanistan, in fact any other conflict i don't think you can walk away without um something uh, a change in personality but
3: mm.
2: i suppose it's it's um how it, it's how deeply it affects you or and how you can deal with it i suppose uh, so there's not really a day that goes past where I don't think about what happened over there, and something might slip into my mind. I haven't got post-traumatic stress disorder, and I've never experienced it, but I've probably got elements of, um, I, I suppose I'm affected by it in some way. Yeah. Which I suppose everybody everybody would be affected in some way. You know, things we saw over there. Um, yeah, you're not going to be affected by, it. but I didn't have post-traumatic stress disorder. No. Mm. Yeah,
0: no, no, that's cool I just wanted to, you know, kind of ask really And so what are you doing now then In your life To kind of make something of You know, what's happened
2: So uh, I'm in hospital And and you might remember this from something I said uh, Someone said to me To try and find three good things from one bad Yeah. And I thought to myself uh, That's a load of rubbish I'm going to find five good things from one bad And that's what I'm going to concentrate on So that's what i try to do now i try to find the good from the bad and try to move on and that's pretty much how i live my life i'm extremely busy i, I think i was probably less busy when i had legs um there's you know I'm, I'm always on the go doing something so life hasn't really slowed down for me um and it's all about just moving on and and, and pushing the boundaries of 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 my now restriction to see where what i can and can't do
0: yeah, definitely. Do you believe, I don't know, you know, some people believe in this thing called fate and, you know, you're meant to be in a place at a time because that would have meant to happen Then this is your path. What, what's your view on that?
2: Um, I'm, I don't know because I think that everything's like completely... I think everything has to be complete. Things are chance. I don't think things are fate because, yeah, I, I don't know. I just... I think it's just pure chance
3: because
2: mm. don't forget i wasn't even supposed to be there i was supposed to be a patrol i was supposed to be back in in, in camp Bans- camp bastion so mm. um I'll, I'll be honest with you i'm glad it happened to me and not another 19 or 20 or 21 year old yeah when i got hit, i was 33 um, and i'd done and you know i've been around the block a bit and life so from that from that point of view i'm just glad it wasn't on the other young person
0: mm.
1: Yeah,
0: no. yeah, it does. Thank you.
1: Well, I've got one of the questions here that I've wrote I've down for you. What went through your mind when you when you woke up in hospital after all your operations? What was the first thing that entered your mind? I suppose I was... Well, I asked my
2: wife this a minute ago. Now, I was, I was, the first thing I was looking... I kept on asking, like... Uh, at this point, my, my wife didn't know that I'd lost my right testicle. And I kept on looking under the sheets, and I was going, ball, 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 you know and uh, I, was, I wanted to know if everything else was all right down there because that's what I kind of cared about They being able to have a family
3: yeah.
2: mm-hmm. and I kept on and they didn't really know what uh, I was going on about until the nurse said oh yeah he's lost you know he's lost one and uh, oh but thanks for telling sort of thing yeah so that, Richard told me that's what I was doing initially I do remember waking up and um, I was coming around and my, I was, my arm was strapped up like this and it was elevated uh, Marissa was in this, on this side, and I remember my family sort of waiting to come through, and I was mumbling something to the nurse, and uh, the nurse was like, what's he going on about? And I was trying to high-five the nurse, and Marissa said, oh, I think he's trying to high-five you. So, I, I remember waking up but it almost felt normal, if that makes sense, because I was still alive, and, and um,
0: Yeah. Hmm. Just minus a few things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A little bit lighter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How long did it take you to come to terms, or if you have come to terms with losing both legs?
2: I think I came to terms with it on the... where it happened. Um, I knew that thing... I wasn't wasn't going to walk this off. Uh, And I, I kind of knew that my life had changed instantly. And the... And at the time, all I really cared about was, you know, whether me and Marissa could have a family. So I kind of, i accepted that part and moved on really, really quickly, I suppose.
0: And you've got kids now, haven't you? Because they'll be pleased three. to know that you have, that you've got three kids.
2: Yeah, so my little daughter, well, my big daughter, she will be six in uh, the end of this month. My little boy, Leah, he was four in December. And my little girl, Amelia, she was one in September. Wow. So um, we, we need to
0: buy a TV for Christmas or something, because um, to find something good to do. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to. You can't. Yeah, it's you know, it's gonna. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, um, Simon, you know, did you ever reach a point where you thought that's it? I'm giving up. I mean, I can't see it from what you're saying, but did you ever no. reach a point? No,
2: because when I, I was only in hospital for five weeks. And then when I moved down to Epsom um, in heavy core, I was surrounded by people that were like me, and some worse, and some um, not so bad. Uh, so I was surrounded by people that were moving forward in whatever way. So and there was a kind of a there was a bunch of us down there that really wanted to excel and just move and move on in whatever capacity. So some of the guys I used to knock about with, they, they've gone to the Olympics, they've gone to do amazing, amazing things. So there wasn't a time really to, to mope and um, to feel sorry for yourself because there was always someone in different perspectives worse off than yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was all about perspective as well because... Um, that person that you thought was worse off than you, than you, they actually thought somebody was worse off than them. So mm. it, was, it was all about perspective. It wasn't about necessarily what was the complete
1: story. Because yeah. we never knew the complete story of, a, of a, a person's situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Mm. So, so we're in the health and lifestyle, and we have lots of people come to us who <clears throat> they want to change the way their body looks. So how, my question to you is, how do you see your body now compared with how you saw it before the accident? So I was extremely, extremely fit, and, um,
2: it, I, 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 it, it does make me sad, so, well, it doesn't make me sad, it's just, you know, the way I used to be isn't the way I am now, and, um, but like I said I was fortunate in the fact that I did so many things I' just had to before I could do say I could do 10,000 things now I can do nine thousand things but and some of them in a different way than I did before. So you know I completed a triathlon an adaptive triathlon. Um, I've been cross-country skiing um, adaptively. I've swam in ridiculous uh, distances so I've done the dark 10k. The next day, I did the Brown Sea Island six and a half K. That was last year. Um, so, I've just done different things and found different ways to do mm. them. I did uh, as a team, we went across America, we cycled across America. Wow, Four of us on bikes on, and four on normal bikes. So, it's just about yeah, I was, I was extremely fit before I got injured um, and completely irresistible to the opposite sex. Absolutely, 100%. But now I'm only half. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not conceited in one little bit. I um, Love it. So it's just one
0: of those
2: things, I had to move on and, and, and just and just find different ways to do different things, or the same things.
0: What's your biggest challenge now every day, if you have one?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, there are challenges. So it's just planning ahead. It's about planning things. And I was completely spontaneous before, um, but now I have to kind of, it's, you know, I have to play that game of chess, that mental game of chess, a little bit more sensibly these days. Mm. And um, so if I know I'm going to be on my legs all day, um, I need to make a plan for what I'm going to do and when. Um, and, uh, you know, at some point, if I'm staying at a hotel and I've been on my legs all day, I know that in the evening I'm going to have to be off them and just chilling out and relaxing. Yeah. So it's just about uh, you know planning really and, and making sure that uh, um, I don't wear myself out. Uh, I don't I don't find myself in a position where you know I can't do things um, and I get enough rest really and and, and fuel.
0: Yeah, yeah, and no, I get so that. Mm.
2: Drink more water. Drink more water.
0: There you drink go. That's that's a top tip for our guys. Drink, drink more water. water. Drink more water.
1: We say a lot to our guys. What you take for granted nowadays? There's somebody out in this world that are, is praying for what you've got and what you um, what you take for granted. Basically, is there anything in life that you take for granted now?
2: No, I suppose not really. And also, in today's in today's world, I think we, we don't. We always want the next thing, don't we? We want the new iPad or we want the new car. And it's just, I, th- I think it's actually assessing what is really important yeah. to you as an individual. If it is important to you to have everything, but your work and life balance doesn't match up. So if you never see your family, if you never see your kids or you never see your wife or your partner or your husband or whatever it is, um, then that's, to me, not a good life balance. And I think that uh, if you have to make an adjustment in what you're doing, then... For the, you know, for the, if it makes you happier, then I think you need to do it. Mm. And if that means forgetting the nine to five job or whatever that job is in London, and the commute that goes with it, or whatever you know, if it's taking you away from things that you like to do, then it's not a life.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I get that. Definitely.
2: And I think, yeah, you could almost say that time because we take time for granted, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And the weekend isn't enough. That isn't enough to have a normal existence in in in. in
0: in life anymore i don't think because mm. i think we take our bodies for granted especially you know say for example if we do gain weight and we end up getting a pain in our knees or something and that's almost our body saying hello there's something wrong you need to do something here you know and we just kind of ignore that and we we take, take our pill. bodies for granted and mm. we'll just take a pill and hope that it goes away
2: yeah absolutely and i think it's about honesty isn't it and no, no i've been told, um, you know, nobody like sometimes the honest truth and 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 again it comes back to what i said before really if we don't look after ourselves you're just going to have less of a life because you're going to die earlier yeah that's mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's the cold hard reality of it. yeah it's so true and, and it depends what you want in life if you want to be happy happy healthy and and see your family and your friends then you've got to make adjustments yep
0: yeah. yeah definitely, definitely.
1: As you probably... I don't know if you've seen a lot of what me and Loz do. We're really heavily into our superheroes, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, or DC Comics, or whatever it is. What's your favourite superhero, and why? Well, I've got a little bit of a list, I'll be honest with you. So, I grew up with Judge
2: Dredd. I know he's not a superhero, but I grew up with Judge Dredd. Um, And in Judge Dredd, there was another character called Road Trooper. And he was this blue sort of soldier from the future. And um, uh, he was he was kind of one of my my superheroes as well even though he wasn't really a superhero um more mainstream i suppose i, I you know I've, i like tony stark i like his uh his, his he i think they yeah they definitely based that character on uh, a, a, a british army soldier somewhere along the line because he's very very funny and good looking uh, <laughs> made up the british army um, no, so I like Tony Stark. He's you know more mainstream for me. Um, I like his like his one-liners. Uh, I also kind of like Cyborg. So there's there's that character Cyborg who who was you know he was he's disabled and they've kind of pieced him back together again. I don't know if they're going to make a decent a de- uh, film about his character. I think they are. Mm. I think he's going to appear somewhere. Um, I like Hulk as well because he just smashes everything up. And why not? Um, and then lastly, you know, lastly, I do like Wonder Woman. Um, she's been made a UN ambassador, which is, I know that's kind of a little bit odd for most people. Uh, but you know, I think that um, there's been a lack of superheroes for women in the mm. last sort of decade and probably longer. And you know, I've got two daughters, and I want them to have someone just to aspire to as well. Uh, and I, I suppose the reason why I mention Wonder Woman because I'm in the, the upcoming film as well as a as an extra? Awesome. Oh, Are you we really? Kept that quiet. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you watch the, the trailer and towards I think it's sort of just past the middle bit. There's um, some soldiers returning from um, the second first world war um, injured soldiers, and um, I'm on a stretcher coming back up, and, and, and you've got uh, Wonder Woman and the, and the main characters walking past us. So oh uh, yeah. That's the
0: reason. I will check that out definitely. Excellent. I will check that out. That's fantastic. And
2: if you're not sure, then, um, well, there's only one person on the stretcher and they've got a massive nose, so it has to
0: be me really. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll slow down and do it frame by frame. We'll be like, we know him. I love it. I love it. Now, I myself and Barry, we always say that we have our own superpowers. So I have my own superpower with my bipolar, and Barry's is his dyslexia. So, what would you consider your superpower to be?
2: Um, I suppose tenacity, really, just, you know, finding a way around. Um, yeah, I, I also, I suppose it's not really a superpower, but I, I kind of want to feed off other people as well. So I, I like seeing other people doing amazing things, and, and it gives me inspiration. And I think being motivated, and I think it's important, right, because being motivated or inspired mm-hmm. is a two-way process. Yeah. And I think you need that to build, I think, um, by... You could call it a competition, really, I suppose, couldn't you? But I think it's... Um, if you're not being fed by an outside source, then you might you might trip up at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I get that, definitely. So my PA's just texted and said, love this guy. <laughs> I love it, excellent. So, Simon, we've got a couple of questions from some of our, our guys. So Alison asks, you're a huge inspiration to many... How does that feel, and who is your inspiration?
2: Um, I try to just I move. Mean, I just, I, I just try to be me a little bit, mm. um, and um, I think I, I kind of touched on it a few times. But by what I saw and who I've rehabilitated with over the last sort of five years, they're the guys and the girls that have inspired me. You know. Um, to move forward mm. and and the last thing I will say on that I suppose is I am extremely thankful hugely thankful and the people that put me back together and saved my life and in the first hour it was probably about 150 but over the years it's probably run into the thousands um how can I not be inspired by what they did for me and, and how can I not be motivated yeah to do something be something because it would be a bit of a slap in the face if I just took that for granted and didn't kind to of honour what they did for me.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, no, I get that. That's brilliant. So we've got... I think,
2: mm. I think that applies to everybody, really, because none of us got here. Any, You know, whether whether we've been to university or not, um, at some point, someone has given us our first break, yeah. um, has given us our first job, or um, they've done something for us. So none of us have, has got anywhere in life without the, the input of somebody else.
0: Yeah, and I believe that you know some things you have to do for yourself but there's the support of everybody else around you that can help kind of lift you up definitely and as you say there's that first break there's that coach that comes and helps you or whatever it is well
1: your parents your teachers yeah
0: definitely friends Mm. so um yana has a few questions and she says uh after the accident, how did you change your life priorities? Did you change them at all? Meaning friends, family, career, that kind of thing?
2: Well, yeah, career, I mean, my career effectively ended. So, um, that, you know, I didn't need to worry about a career anymore. I was still getting paid. Um, uh, and it was, yeah, that, that, I didn't need to worry about that anymore. Friends, I, well, I made new friends some of my old friends couldn't deal with what had happened to me and they kind of drifted out of my life um, so yeah things changed and I suppose I loved going out on a Friday and Saturday night like most people do but then I kind of I've got bored with all that and only because well clearly I'm legless most of the time it is well exactly there you go getting, I, I didn't want to add to that <laughs> so alcohol became irrelevant almost irrelevant you know it's not I still want to have a bit every so often, but it's just not something I need to do on a Friday or
0: Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. And she says, um, the one thing after her accident that she had was that she as you just said, she found it she found out who her true friends were. She was lying in hospital for two months and you can see who's coming in to visit. So she did change her opinion about a lot of people around her and she wondered whether you had that similar experience.
2: Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, you know, we, we go in and out of, of friendships anyway, and, and uh, but all my military friends actually were, you know, I can pick up the phone and kind of almost have the same, we left the, the conversation, we could pick up the same conversation maybe a year later. Mm. Um, so all my military friends that were there, were there for me, I can just phone them up and, and they're still there for me, even if we hadn't spoken for a while. Uh. Uh, but some of my civilian friends, um, yeah, it was hard for them, and, and um, I, didn't know, I don't think they knew what to
0: do. Yeah, yeah, didn't quite know how yes. to cope with it. And I, I get that, you know, even with, like, the bipolar, you know, my life changed completely, and I lost some friends because of it, because they just didn't know how to deal with it. They didn't know what to say or how to react.
2: Because I know, you know, and, and, and correct me if, if this is the wrong term, but mental health is so misunderstood and um and because everybody's well most people have hurt themselves in a way whether it's cutting their finger or breaking an arm or or breaking a bone or or something everybody can relate to pain what they can't relate Mm. to is is a disconnect or you know something that's happening mentally
3: Mm.
2: so when that happens because they can't relate to it they they don't know what to do Mm. and they don't understand it and that's their only coping mechanism. So, you know, I I, 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 get what you're. You know, I can never understand what you're going through. Just like you couldn't understand actually what what Barry's going through. And yeah. Clearly, you can't understand what I'm going through. So, all we can do is, is sort of empathise or sympathise, but we can never experience it because everybody's everybody's battle or, or situation is different. Mm.
1: Totally I think I think that's why definitely. we got we was given two ears and one mouth, and we need to use them in them in that ratio as well. So yeah. You need to listen to people.
0: What? yeah um Yana's final question is um what was in your head or your mind I think she's trying to say that helped you to keep moving and that you wanted to live
2: my wife yeah um, so every every part of it was like um, a stepping stone so me the first guys coming to coming to treat me me getting onto the stretcher me getting to um, the patrol base onto the chinook and then to the, to the hospital it was literally like a stepping stone it was my percentages going of survival going up and up yeah. and so uh, yeah it was really just marissa i was trying to get back to and um, and and that's what really kept me moving forward i suppose initially as well anyway
0: well, we've got some really lovely comments coming in. Apparently, you're definitely a superhero. Um, Tricia says, um, what did your wife do to cope with the life changes? Do you know what? This happened to both of us as well, I and mean, people forget that. So mm. Um, mm. if something happens to somebody,
2: it doesn't happen just to that one person. It happens to the person that they, they love, um, or you know, whether it's a loved one or a family member or whoever's looking after you. Uh, so, you know, she, she, when well, we went from quite a, a, an equal couple to a, she, her being initially my carer and counting out drugs for me. Mm. Um, so, our, our little world changed dramatically in a split second, and something that we both neither was prepared for. Because, how, you know, how could you prepare for that? Yeah.
3: Uh,
2: but I think what, what, what made it strong for us is everything we'd done beforehand and we built a really solid foundation in our life yeah for just uh, things got knocked down but actually not so much that things couldn't be quickly put back up again
0: yeah yeah in and i you know and as you say it, it happens to her as well you know and, and your mum and dad it's happened to them so it's, it's how they cope with it as well um, yeah. Melanie says, "How do you stay so positive And what self-help ways? Uh, what self-help ways do you use if you feel down?"
2: I don't. I do well, you know. Um, so sleeping was the one thing I think. Well, this can apply to everybody. So now I did a I did a course in hypnotherapeutic counselling, and um, a little bit of. Uh, 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 self-hypnosis so people are scared of hypnosis and they think that that if someone hypnotises you you're going to get taken over and you're going to make things to do things you don't want to do what you see on TV is utter BS and you will never ever do something you don't want to do in life Mm so there's a few uh, and and stop me if I'm going on I'm rattling on here but there's a few times in life actually where you you self-hypnotise so you could if it's going on the same route to work every day you probably won't remember that really because yep. you, you've, self, you, you've, you've dropped into a, a very um, parasympathetic mode and you're just working off sort of background memories, to get you from A to B. Yep. So Other conscious. times if you go for a run, you might not remember the run because you've, you're, you're used to doing it and you're yourself sort of, you might be talking to yourself and you might actually not remember the finer detail of a run. So what I use at night now is I think rather than thinking about the 110 things I haven't done in the day and 110 things I've got to do tomorrow, I just think about the one place I'd love to be. Now, for most people, it's on a beach um, with the tide rolling in and um, in a sunny day and you're relaxing on a sort of sun lounger. And that's, pe- that's most people's ideal place to be in the world. Yep. For me, it's on the top of a mountain, somewhere I can't get to sort of easily at the moment. Um, and looking down a valley with the sun beating down on my back and I can look down the belly you know and I think about that and um, I think about the detail around it and it will send me to sleep really really quickly so a little bit of self-hypnosis um, I suppose um, and yeah I, I mean I have my bad days you know just like everybody else with you know I might be tired from doing too much or whatever um, and it's just about managing that, I suppose. But I think one of the key things is exercise, exercise and being outside.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: And you know, you, you release. I call. I, I like calling them dolphins. So you've got you release your own sort of uh, dolphins, your own dolphins. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Okay. And, get it.
2: And dolphins. Are, uh, dolphins are happy, aren't they? So you know, we yeah. need to we need to release more of them. Um, and I think exercise is a truly, truly underrated. Um, uh, well self-help treatment if you like mm. I know it doesn't support, solve everything and, and um, you know but I think it can help and I think being outside can help um, and yeah I think there are things that can, can
0: help along the way to build up that you know that, mm. that way Definitely to treat yeah. yourself if you like do you know what it's really funny because mm. Barry and I are just training to be hypnotists and we always give them a perfect place and we have a perfect place and Mine's ours, the same as yours. Ours is the same as yours. Mine's Whistler Mountain in the valley, looking where it comes down. <laughs> Love it. We should all go.
2: Yeah. Uh, and if you asked, I reckon if you asked 100 people, most
1: of them would say on a beach. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Because uh, yeah.
2: it's that holiday image. But um, for me, it's
1: somewhere it's different, slightly different. A uh, beach is a little bit too boring for me. I've got to be looking up, We're well, looking down on the world. And me being up on that mountain, it puts my all my problems into perspective because their mountains are so freaking big that anything I think of as that anything that's my problem is so small compared with their mountains. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. Yana um, says, thank you very much for asking answering my question. I can say big respect for Simon. Uh, Zina says, Simon is an utter gent and all-round amazing guy. See, you know. Your
1: head's getting, getting bigger already. Thank you for organising
0: this. <laughs> Oh, um, Alison, you answer her question, says, um, please thank Simon for sharing his experience, her opening honestly, an amazing story, an awesome guy, and obviously an awesome family rounding. Such a great sense of humour and outlook on life, so inspiring and so thought-provoking. Thank you for getting him to speak to the Hub. Brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Um, let's have a look. When someone has something physically wrong with them, people will stare at that person. Has that happened to Simon? and How does he deal with it?
1: Good question. I like that one. Yeah, no, I do get that. And um, so some people see it, some people don't. Um, and I wear shorts all the time. Now, if you're in a wheelchair, clearly
2: you're, you know you're. Uh, people are going to clock that straight away. How if I if I am on my legs and just. um happened to me at a, a, a train station where someone ran at me and literally they expected me to just jump out of their way well I didn't and actually they might have been a, an exchange of words I had to kind
3: of grab hold of him because if I didn't I was going to fall over yeah and um,
2: anyway he went off with a bit of a flea in his ear and then so, uh, as I, out the corner where I saw that this woman had grabbed him but I carried on my way because I was busy and he actually ran around to come and to find me again and he said I'm really really sorry mate I didn't see any in holy legs and I said you know and I actually followed our him because you know, we were both rude to one another um, and uh, we both ex- uh, uh, you know swore at each other <laughs> <laughs> initially anyway but um, yes it's weird and kids ask questions and that's, that's brilliant because kids need to be curious about stuff yeah, um, yeah they don't hold back <laughs> no they don't some adults though they can get they can lose they can I don't know. It's just, um, they don't know what, they don't know what to say really. Um, I like the odd, weird comment. Um, the Daily Mail Online. I, I did a thing for charity and there was some really, really odd questions on there. And, uh, um, some abuse as well, which got deleted. Um,
0: but it's just kind of, what's wrong with people? Uh, well, the thing is, so I did, I,
2: there was a, a book that Brian Adams did called Wounded mm. um, and I was in I'm in that book uh, and I had a little chat with Brian Adams I'm not name dropping here deliberately oh darling <laughs> and I had a little chat with him and he's, he, he'd taken the Daily Mail to court actually in one and I, I got to experience a little bit of the that celebrity world a tiny tiny little bit and um, it's just interesting you know
0: we just sometimes
2: see
0: their reaction, but what we don't see is the build up to that reaction. Mm. Yeah, like
1: my question. I asked a question as well. What, what put, did you see what I put? No, On the chat? no, alert. I got a question while Loss looking at that. you hear people who have had amputations, they get ghost legs or they get itchy leg where the leg used to be. Do you ever suffer from that? Yeah, so, um
2: especially when I wear my prosthetics, I can feel my toes and my feet. Um, initially, when I, I got blown up, I I could, it was like walking around with, with wet socks in my boots and um, I could wiggle my toes and you feel that sort of squelchy feeling in my in my feet. Um, but I don't, I used to get quite a lot of phantom pain and now it's just sensation. Yeah. Um, if I do get pain, which is sort of once in the blue moon, it's really, really quite painful electric shocks.
1: I think, I think that's amazing how the brain actually works. It's yeah, still sensualized that you've got toes yeah. and feet and ankles and, and stuff so the,
2: the shoes that I've, you know, the shoes 20 hours. In my, in my, I can actually feel it in my feet. It's there. Um, yeah. And I can, I can wiggle my toes actually in a manner that I've never been able to do before, like really hyper extend them. Um, I can feel sort of bits of my calf, uh, I can feel the insole. You know, I can. Wow. That That's is crazy. very
0: odd, definitely. Crazy. Um, we've had an inappropriate question come in. Are you ready for it? Well, um, Zena says. Do you know what? Do so, see. Z- Zena, <laughs> Zena says, okay, I have to ask. It may be inappropriate, but I'm guessing as there's no line, it's okay. Did Simon get a prosthetic testicle? Did
2: you know <laughs> That's a brilliant question. So,. Um, uh, I, well, I, I talk about this in my, uh, I do a bit of motivational speaking, and I say, oh, yeah, I'm going to have another operation, and uh, people are like, mm. and I say I'm going to have a prosthetic testicle made, um, but you know the sort of the physio spiky balls? Yeah. You know, um, I, I saw a sort of smaller version of that um, with a bell in it and a light in it. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> really Appropriate because we've had three children, and there's no reason for me to have it, but uh, yeah. And that was my comedy um, prosthetic ball. I love
0: Brilliant. it. I love it. Look, we, I, I could, I could talk to you for hours, and I know, you know, you know, we don't want to keep too much of your time, and people are still throwing in questions left, right, and centre, and and saying how amazing you are.
1: Should we do a quick fire round?
0: So we're going to um, finish off, Simon, with a quick fire round for you. Okay. So it's. Um... We've
1: got eight questions for you, but there's no thinking. You just got to tell us the first answer that comes to your head. Okay.
0: Actually, it's nine because I've just added one. Oh, you've in, added one. Because I really one like one. it.
1: Okay, you go, you go <laughs> Okay, first. so,
0: Simon, first one, your most inspirational quote. Oh, uh, I've got so many, but it has to be, I
2: suppose, um, to find one good thing from, uh, to find five good things from one bad.
1: Love Brilliant it. Stuff. Next question. What's your favourite destination you've been to and why? Uh, I've been,
2: Extremely lucky in my life. I've been to so many different countries. I love Sweden though. I was in. I've learned to cross-country ski. I've been K-Kirana, which is in the polar circle, and you know one of the most amazing sights I've ever seen is not is the Northern Lights, which I saw up
3: there.
0: Wow! wow amazing, amazing. Um, what do you want to be known for?
2: Uh, being a better dad. I suppose being a good
1: dad. Oh, oh nice. What's your favourite movie and why?
2: I like The Inside Man which is an awesome film um, that's one of my favourite films I've got many 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 favourite films but that is one of my favourite films it's got Denzel Washington and Clive Earn and it's the bank job where oh. oh, Clive
1: I seen that. inside the bank and uh, Denzel Washington's a policeman and they're
2: trying to get them
1: out oh. not seen that one but well, I have to watch what it. was that one we watched last night? about the medic? John Wick? no the medic that went up the hill <gasps> Hacksaw Ridge, well, Haxel Ridge. Okay, so I've,
2: asked, I've been asked I don't know if I'm going to do it but I've been asked to, to do a bit of marketing for them when they do uh, the DVD release I don't know if they're going to I've said yes to it Cool. and uh, and I said I'd do it for free but they haven't got back so I don't, I don't know if they're have going to Have you seen to the film? Apart from Wonder Woman
0: No, but have you seen the film Hacksaw Ridge yet?
2: No, no, am sorry, I haven't no. You must, really you love good. it it was awesome. Definitely.
0: Uh, what's your favourite song of all time and why? Aha,
2: uh-huh, Take On Me. Love
0: it. Love it. Take on... And why? I, I just, it was, I like
2: the, the cartoon effect of it. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't
1: hit his notes, but I love singing to it. I'll bet you I try, try though. My... <laughs> uh, I'm not going to embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> what's your first childhood memory? Being naughty and getting caught. Um, and what was <laughs> you being naughty for? I prove this now, but um, <laughs> uh, I decided
2: to build a, um, a, my own little sort of den in the garden, and it needed a washing line, so I have got a garden fork and attached it all together, and put the garden fork on my foot. Um, and that's a sort of an early childhood in memory of, of me injuring myself.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, so what's one question you've never been asked, but you've always wanted to be asked? It.
2: Um, that, uh, um, I suppose would I change anything? And the answer is no. I mean, I've been asked similar sort of roundabout questions, but would I change anything that I've done? And I don't think you can. If you if you think about that question, you could you have to answer no because we all make our decisions in life, and rightly or wrongly, you can have regrets or you can can apologize for really bad behavior um but everything is in the past and you really can't change the past so would i change it and no because i can't and actually if you look back in the past it only leads to kind of disappointment and, and regret and we shouldn't have regrets in life we can make ourselves better the next day or in five minutes time or change
1: something in our lives but um you just got to keep on moving forward Brilliant. I and love
2: it. That's fr- that's just. Brilliant. Last question
1: for me. Who's your biggest inspiration and why? I
2: think, well, I've got so many. Um, yeah. I suppose one of my biggest inspirations is uh, well, there's two actually. There's a lad called Joe Townsend, um, and he did a uh, paratriathlon in the in the in Rio, um, and he's properly just putting everything out there and doing his thing and and try, he's a double amputee like me he's a raw marine and he's just moving on in life and, and trying to do the best he can in life and another guy um and actually i treated him two weeks before i was injured um he got blown up as well and he got bronze um at the paralympics in rio a bloke called nick Baton, and he's just living his life and just moving forward and and taking
0: every day as it comes and my last question is what is your biggest achievement that you are most proud of to date
2: crumbs Uh, it's got to come down to my kids really Um, and you know they are my world now and um, and everything I try to do is for them and I want them to you know, to be proud of their dad, I suppose. So it's for them. That's Brilliant.
0: awesome, I love it, fantastic. Um, no, that's, I mean, everybody's just saying thank you for answering a question. Xena um, was actually crying with laughter around your um, testicle. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Um, so, I found someone's comment, it's under chat. I can't find your, your comment. What did you, what did you tell oh, is so fit. You put Simon in Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, it. I, thought, I saw a smile. Like, I
2: thought
0: I it. No, I don't even <laughs> know why it hasn't come up. Um, one of our guys, Angela, she just commented she's actually chilling out in Dubai at the moment. It's all right for some, eh? Um, so, uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, it's under chat, which is the bottom one there. Ah. I see it. Damn it. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. We've had such fun in this. It doesn't even it's, seem like it's been a, over it's, an hour. It's been over know? an hour. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate you taking the time to come and spend with us.
1: But what we want to um, put yes. some money towards your charity. If any of these guys that are listening today and they want to sort of help out with your charity, with the support that you do, um, what do they need to do and how do they go about it?
2: So, I support Blesla um, and they're the British Limnless Ex-Servicemen's Association and I'm just going to hold up a piece of paper. You might not be able to see
1: it, it might be backwards, it is backwards. No, it's good for so us. You
2: have to Hang two seconds. So, how do I, how, can we turn that around? I don't know how to turn it around. No, for us, so,
0: we can see it. What I'll do is I'll take a picture of it. If you hold it up again.
2: Sure. So, all you have to do is text Blown Away, well, it's been it, Bravo Alpha Whiskey Oscar 99, The however much you want to donate to 70070.
0: Lovely. Okay, brilliant stuff. Excellent, fantastic. And you also have your website as well we can buy some um, amputee assemble stuff from.
2: So, if you go to my main website, which is blown-away.org, there's kind of like two buttons in the top left hand corner, and uh, I sell... T-shirts there, which everything I, I sell on there goes, all my profits goes to, 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 to Blesma. Uh, excellent. So I don't make, not for
1: me, it's for, it's for charity. No, that's brilliant
0: Fantastic, stuff. excellent, fantastic. And you can also follow uh, Simon on um, Facebook as well. Um, that's Blown excellent. Away as well.
2: Hmm? Twitter, I'm, I'm on Twitter, I'm, sh- I'm at ShorterSci. I was in hospital and bored.
0: Excellent. I love it. We'll put all of this up so that our guys no. can follow you. But thank you so much, Simon. We really oh, it's appreciate been amazing. your help. And, guys, Thanks. you know, thank you so much for your questions. It's been wonderful. And uh, we'll see you all very soon.
1: Take care, guys. Cheers.